G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. An opportunity today to take a little bit of a trip down memory lane. Now, you may be 40, you may be 60, you might even have a few extra years there and you can identify those movies that you watched in your life where you identify the values and you identify the way they've shaped even your personality, even your character. Well, we're back today with Peter Malone. Peter's latest book is called Christ Figures. There on our screen, Gospel Values in Film. But Peter's also the author of a book called Dear Movies, in which he has a personal account of the movies that have shaped him over decade upon decade. And there's something here that we might all glean something special from. Peter Malone, a special welcome back to 2020. Thanks very much, Neil. Peter, you've been writing now uh, since the 1960s, so I won't get you to give your age away, but listeners will know you've got a few years on most of us, but movies have been a huge part of your life. They have indeed, and um, I was lucky really in the 60s. Um, I'd done some studies overseas, um, and in coming back, uh, my community actually published a magazine and they were interested in the religious movies of those days. And I'm thinking of Pasolini's Gospel According to Matthew or A Man for All Seasons about Thomas More. And so I suggested to the editor, who was a good friend, why don't we have a film review in each issue of the magazine? And that was at the beginning of 1968. And I've continued... Uh, for those almost 55 years now that I think of it, uh, with reviews every month. So in the, in the writing, I suppose I've been reviewing in the present, but always looking back. And so some of the books that I've written, and especially the Christ figures there on our screen, I'm looking back at films that I valued, and I suppose they're being able to be used in communicating with people about values and, if so, especially about the Gospels. So that was my idea in 2019 when I will confess that I was reaching a certain decade birthday in my life. So you can work it out, Neil, and the <laughs> audience can. It's more than 70, let me tell you. Yes. But anyway, um, so the result of that, especially... Uh, with COVID and lockdowns coming on, uh, an occasion for the writing of these books, in fact. And so the first one on that line was, I did call Dear Movies. And so as an octogenarian, a little more of a focus on your age here for a moment, but that doesn't actually make you all that well experienced because some of the biggest movies of all time have even predated you, haven't they? Uh, Cecil B. DeMille classics like King of Kings and The Ten Commandments. 
Uh, these are some of the biggest movies of all time. And then right through to The Passion of the Christ, which I think is the biggest movie of all time. Some people are even surprised that the biggest screen successes are actually Christian films. Any thoughts here about those things, the way they've shaped your generation and even generation before you? Neil, I better tell you that DeMille's colour version of the Ten Commandments came out the last year I was in secondary school. (laughs) Okay, all right. I don't know how that relates to you. (laughs) But uh, yes, and um, that was the subject of uh, the book that I did, Screen Jesus, trying to look back at the um, earliest films. uh, There's a lot of the... uh, religious short films at the end of the 19th century, in fact, and the beginning of the 20th. But already um, D.W. Griffith in 1916, in the film Intolerance, has a gospel story, all silent, and then DeMille's King of Kings in 1927. What I like to do, if working with a group, say you have um, a Saturday and people come and you're able to show clips. I like to show clips from the Jesus film, starting with Intolerance and moving up to The Passion of the Christ. And I like to show a particular gospel episode and how it's treated differently in about nine different films over the decades. And that's John's story of the woman taken in adultery. It works very dramatically, and most of those Jesus films have an interesting treatment of it. Even The Passion of the Christ has a kind of two-minute flashback for Mary Magdalene during the scourging and she and Mary washing up the blood in the praetorium. And so there's a flashback where she's identified with the woman taken in adultery. The other thing about that, which is I find interesting, is that not only do you go back, say, 120, 30 years, you actually become aware of the changes in the technology. So from the first short films in the 1890s through the silent era, the coming of sound in the 20s, coming of colour in the 30s, widescreen in the 50s, and so on, till you come, of course, to our streaming age and social media and the extraordinary availability of um, so much material. But I find that... um, People like to look at the sequences and say which they like, what Jesus they like, which they don't like. And it reflects how we've changed since the beginning of the 20th century to the present in our theological understanding of Jesus and the Gospels, as well as our personal response and what we might call our devotion, our spirituality. Interesting, isn't it, that when you would have nine different depictions of the woman caught in adultery and what might be going on in the director's mind to include a clip like that in a Jesus film, do you think, well, let's not take a long time on this, but Peter, sexual ethics have been a part of what the church has tried to teach now for thousands of years. Uh, sexual ethics still are important to people. So hearing and seeing depictions of how Jesus deals with sexual ethics, is that something you think that really does strike a chord with viewers of movies like that? It does, and it's the theme of casting the first stone, that we are prone to be judgmental. Uh, 
I think automatically most of us are, what we approve and disapprove of. And the challenge then of John chapter 8 and also of Luke chapter 7 with the woman who is the prostitute in the city and gate crashes Simon the Pharisee's banquet. And Jesus says she is beloved and forgiven. That's done beautifully, by the way, in Franco Zeffirelli's Jesus of Nazareth with Robert Powell and Anne Bancroft. Wonderful scene. I don't know how many times I've seen it, and I could watch it again. So you've got then, uh, who, is there no one to condemn you? Uh, no one, she says. Neither do I, says Jesus. Go and sin no more. So it's not exactly a, a let-off, but it's absolution. It's looking to the future. It's change of heart. And so, uh, yes, I think in terms of sexual ethics, it has a great deal to remind us of. By the way, let me tell you one other story. Have you seen The Greatest Story Ever Told with Max von Sydow? Well, a long time ago, uh, I couldn't tell you just how it all starts to pan out. But yes, a lot of those biblical Jesus movies, as so many listeners will be familiar with. Terrible casting, let me say. <laughs> how do you have a six-foot-something Swedish-accented man doing Jesus of Nazareth. But anyhow, that was how they made the film. But in the scene, um, Carol Baker is Mary Magdalene. She's the woman caught in adultery. She's brought in. She's actually thrown to the ground very hard and a bright red dress proclaiming her guilt. Jesus hands around the stone asking who is innocent. And in fact, he casts the first stone, but not at her. Okay. He throws it down beside her. And I found in groups, people looking at that, it's a jolt to remind them. Uh, Jesus can cast a stone, but we can't. So going back to those films, if you were watching those nine different depictions and having a discussion afterwards, you might find people seeing something in there that they'd never seen before. Hey, not everybody is watching Jesus movies today, Peter, and there's so much on Netflix and Stan and all of the movie platforms. There's so many movies that a, a Christian movie, a Jesus movie, can get lost in all of that. When you're talking about people and movies and the way that film has shaped lives and you've got a long enough life to be able to see how uh, the movies have shaped your life, people are looking back across their lives. They're going to be shaped definitely, certainly by the movies that they have been uh, drawn to, aren't they? Yes, I found that as I look back, say, uh, films in uh, childhood, especially in teenage years, looking at some of those films that they're not particularly good anymore, one might say, but they had an extraordinary impact. I mean, a film like On the Waterfront, and I don't know whether I should have been seeing that, but we had it at school. So that's Marlon Brando. It's The Unions in New York. It's a tough film, although it has one of the best portrayals of a priest preaching with Carl Malden. So I suppose that's why... You know, we were attracted to it in the 50s, but it stayed. Now, uh, a lot of scenes from On the Waterfront you can actually find on YouTube. And I would commend, uh, it's not exactly Googling YouTube, isn't it? But it's, it's filling in and you'll find trailers of some of the Jesus films and you'll find excerpts. You mightn't have time to watch a whole film these days, but you might find 
a five to ten minute excerpt, which really makes uh, quite an impact. So I would recommend that. Peter, in today's movies, and you know, as I said, there's so many, and there's television series, uh, there's so much to choose from. Do people, do you think, look for redeeming values in today's movies? Or are we being shaped by something that's so secular and has so many, you might even say, bordering on evil elements to them? What are your assessments of today's films and the way it's shaping our society? Let me put it this way, Neil. I've always, well, at least for the last almost 60 years, have thought that there is no limit to the themes and stories that we can tell in our art and media. Everything human can be the subject of, well, look at the Old Testament stories and some of the disedifying characters there. But the point is, it's not so much the what, although a lot of people get upset when they hear the topic, it's all in the how is it made. And that's where I think we have to sharpen And education, say, for literature or media studies, is aiming to sharpen the sensitivities and sensibilities of students. And we need to continually do that ourselves so that we can have delicacy of sensitivity, fine-tuned, but also we are robust. And so with some of the terrible things, we have to be robust about the war in Ukraine and what we might be hearing about the deaths and the tortures all that kind of thing. We might be wanting to shield our eyes, and sometimes the news tells us that there are difficult scenes coming up. But we also need a robustness to be able to respond to these harsh realities in our world. So I hope that makes sense. It's not so much the what. So I'm not worried if I hear, oh, they're going to show a a film about abortion. Now, some people then shudder a bit. What will be saying? What will it be doing? I would accept, all right, here's a film about abortion, but how is it being presented? How is it being dramatised? Then I can have a dialogue and discussion with the film and about the film and its issues. So I hope that makes a bit of sense. And it does broaden things too, because if it's a good portrayal or a bad portrayal, In some sense, if you have an understanding of that issue yourself, then you can contribute to and help shape a discussion around those issues. Uh, Peter Malone's latest book is called Christ Figures. There on our screens, Gospel Values in Film. And we were talking about another of Peter's books called Dear Movies and the way movies have shaped his life and has shaped generations that have gone by. If you want to connect with Peter, you can Google Peter Malone's website and you can get a hold of his books through online booksellers. Peter, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and your heart with us once again today on 2020. Neil, thank you very much. Stirring all kinds of memories. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 